Good evening, Patriots. And today is Wednesday, the end of Wednesday, May 10th in the year 2023. One thing that's absolutely clear right now is that in the pressure of times that we are in, food is becoming a weapon and they're doing everything they can. We got notification today, a call, in fact, it spoke with Ted Nugent and the animal wildlife groups in the government, wildlife management, is now going through a process of going to the ranches in Texas that raise white-tailed deer. They're claiming that there is some sort of a parasitic virus or something in these white-tailed. The only way they can determine if the virus is there is to kill all of them in the herd and then do an autopsy. In other words, kill everything and then worry about it later. The problem is that right now, when they do this, they kill everything off. They can, easy, they can quickly determine that your land is unable to have any further animals on it. The government takes control. This is 2030, Agenda 2030. Food is a weapon. And this is another one of their attacks, and a multi-pronged attack to strip people from the land to ultimately you will own nothing, you will rent everything, and you will eat sea bugs. This is their attempt, and these people are going to have to be stopped because the march that they're doing, nobody's resisting. Ted did, and he put them on notice, which is good. But this has to happen more often. But in that terms, make sure you do have emergency food supplies because things are going to get short. Patriots, with all the danger out there in today's world, many Americans are concerned about the very real possibility of prolonged food shortages. That's why I urge everyone to secure a supply of long-term emergency food while you still can. And I highly recommend you choose My Patriot Supply as your supplier. They're the nation's largest preparedness company. And right now, they're offering a special deal when you buy their three-month emergency food kit, which lasts up to 25 years in storage. With each kit you order, you'll receive a bonus package of crucial survival gear worth over $200 for free. The three-month emergency food kit guarantees your family will have peace of mind during a disaster and the survival gear will help you be even more prepared. The kit includes breakfast, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks with over 2,000 calories a day. Best of all, this food is tasty. Your whole family will love it. To get your emergency food and your free survival gear worth over $200, go to preparewithbards.com. Preparewithbards.com. Patriots, there's no time to waste. Well, Patriots, I want to start out tonight and talking a bit about Bards Fest, I did at the end of Bended Knee today, and I'm going to start tonight with it, and then we'll move into more other topics in kind of in the, in the same theme. I think one of the things that I haven't made clear is, and I think it gets a bit dis, uh, distorted when we say fest, and that's what it was the first time, more or less, but it was really about prayer and repentance for the nation in the first one. So Bard's Fest, for now, will stick as a name, but I don't think it's actually accurate. So if you go to bardsfest.com and you will see that there is a change of wording that follows Bard's Fest, which is the theme of this year's assembly, which is really convening the war councils. And that's the overall theme. And that's reflected in the speakers that we have, myself, Pastor Dave Bryant, who you're going to hear on Friday night here on the show. Pastor Anthony Thomas, an aggressive street pastor who is now running a ministry in Naples. He was a Marine. 
Mark and Tina Wesson, they're from Alabama, great people. Lieutenant Colonel Doc Chambers, Pete Chambers, who was on last night. Pastor Brad Cummings, who you've heard here many times. Shemaine Nugent, who she is just a true warrior. Dr. Frank, another amazing warrior in Christ who's getting on the ground. And Joe Vega, my close friend, who's a retired Delta Force Sergeant Major, who was on the ground in Somalia, who the Hoot Wharton was Hoot was at the end of the film. Hoot Wharton was in, is the character of Hoot in the film was partially modeled after Joe. And there may be a few others. The point of all of this is I really haven't done an, an, an exceptional job of modeling or defining the theme, and I'm making some effort here to make sure that we're real clear. It's, I've, I've read it, or I've posted it at the header of what we're trying to accomplish in, in the, uh, on the webpage. And it does center around three of the verses that we use constantly, Luke 10, 19, which is obviously the authority over snakes and scorpions and power of the enemy, John 14, 12, which is the greater works, which includes healing the sick, spreading the good word of the gospel, casting out demons and raising the dead and greater works than he, and Jeremiah 6, 16, which is seeking the ancient paths to go back, to go forward. And there's, for that sense, that's kind of the predominant verse themes for this for what we're coming together, but it's deeper than that in, in what the theme is trying to strive for, which is to really embolden the warriors and the shepherds as we go forward. Our first Bars Fest, which was in September, end of August, September 2021, and it was a four-day event. It was a big event, one of a kind, very much focused on the celebration and coming together for the first time, a lot of good things. But we're in a different phase now. And with that new phase, we're going to have to face the fact that we're heading into what very well could become a kinetic war on our country. To put that in context, it's taking us back to the black robe period. And it's taking us back to that space of the pastors that understood that there was a line that we could not cross. And one thing about that is they were integral in the fight. They led their congregations. They were there leading the fight in Lexington and Concord and onwards. And they were there both as a warfighter and they were there as mentor and spiritual leader. And that is something that... Perhaps we thought we would never walk again, and yet we're entering that Rubicon where that, that critical crucible in our country where we're going to have to start making those sorts of decisions. What's happened in the last few days and what we're heading into tomorrow will be unprecedented. We are seeing a flood of people coming across the border that are not here for goodwill. Fighting age males from the Middle East, who hate America, cartel people who hate America, coyotes who are in the open showing people how to move around and, and implant themselves in the United States, sicarios burying themselves within their ranks to come in and seek violence, as has already happened twice in Brownsville. 
And we're seeing the preparation on the West Coast of our states to embrace them as they come in and being able to settle in and connect with gangs and start running the cartel drug systems where drugs have been highly legalized along the, th the border states. And that means more fentanyl, and that means more destruction of our children, that means more terror in our towns. There's going to have to be some very tough hearts going forward. And I think that sometimes, you know, I, I, this is when you, we come to these shows and many times we want to come away feeling, yes, I can do that. Well, I'm going to tell you, yes, you can, but there's going to be some bitter truth that goes with it. War is not a fun thing. And for those that have walked in it, you understand what I'm talking about. And war is one of those things that overall we can talk about war into a context, which is, I've said it many times, war is one of these amazing melting pots where you see the worst of humanity and you see the greatest of humanity. You see it all in one, and it truly happens in in very compressed time frames, and it happens in big extremes. You can see, you can, you may see the bloated or gutted bodies of those that have fallen. You may witness hellish destruction of human being, beings in, in life. You may have to walk by and smell the smoldering bodies of someone who's been burned in a vehicle. You may see the scorched, sunburnt, dead corpses bloating like cows laying on a field, and they don't look a lot different. That's one dark side. You may see as well the, the pain and agony that war brings to children, the suffering, the widows, the suffering. There's a lot of it. War is not pleasant. War also brings out some of the most compassionate hearts I've ever seen. I've seen soldiers sacrifice enormous, take enormous risks of them for themselves to protect children and to do things within their realm that they can do to save children, to protect families. They, they, there's a greatness in the way that a soldier works, at least the American soldier, because he's got the heart for it. Those are not things that are easy to process. And they are real, though, in the sense of war. War is getting a call, and more than a call, getting picked up by a, this is a story I had. I literally got picked up by the Italian version of Delta. They came to me and said, that our general wants to see you. And they picked me up and they drove me to the command center. And the general walked in and he says, I need to ask you a favor. I said, okay, sir, what do you need? He says, we just lost eight Italian boys that were blown up by an IED. My team will run security for you. I need you to film the pain of my, of my boys. I need you to film the pain of my soldiers as they go through and witness the caskets and the dead. I need you to film them as they're loaded on the plane. I did, and I gave him what he had, and that footage actually was hugely impactive in Italy in various ways. War can be the craziness of somebody wanting to kill you because there's a misunderstanding like happened up in one of the places we were in where, remember in war, there's really no rules. What's the rule is 
really the respect of soldiers to soldiers. There was something said to an Afghan, and I, he was an Afghan fighter, and I engaged with him to have a conversation. He got furious, and he drew a, a blade, at, um, his knife on me. And in the process, there was a bit of a tussle. He cut my hand, and he ended up getting pretty badly cut himself in his hand. But he walked, he was basically shunned away. He was the loser in the, in the exchange. The problem is that in a warrior culture like that, when that happens, then what happens is vengeance. It's a blood oath. So that takes a different level of engagement, a different level of war, where you have to neutralize and equalize your differences. So in that case, I was able to call him over through an interpreter, explain to him that we'd had a disagreement, but that we were both warriors. And I'll never forget this because both our hands were bleeding and I took our hands and I rubbed them together, squeezed them together like a blood bond. You don't know what's in his blood. I didn't know it was in mine, but whatever. I came out fine. And we made a blood pack that we were, that we had both done well in that tussle and that we were going to stand with each other. And, and that's a case where in this craziness of war, you can find the anger and the hatred, and yet you can find amazing respect and peace. And that person, that Afghan soldier, became a very good uh, or loyal soldier for me when I was around. There's a lot of craziness in war. There's a lot of craziness in the consequences of war when you go through the, the third world environments and you see the destruction that's happened out there. There's a, we were up in the Uruzagan province, which is north of Kandahar. Special forces team that I was with was doing what's called a medcap. They bring in their medic and they set up a medical, temporary medical facility. And they put the notice out to all of the villages and they let them, or the surrounding villages, and they let them know There's going to be free medical care. There was a family that brought in a young girl. I honestly, I really don't know how she was still alive. But she was crazy. And the reason she was crazy is somewhere along the way, whether someone got mad at her in the family or whether she actually fell, but she got completely drenched in a boiling pot of water. She had no eyelids left. They had to put a cloth over her eyes at night to sleep, but all that had driven her crazy. They were begging for someone to fix her. There was nothing that could be done. Those are some of the memories of war. There's good and there's bad. But some that stand out, some of the more visceral pieces that stand out. The children are always beautiful. It's one of the greatest parts of my experience in Afghanistan was going into villages with my camera where they had never seen a moving image before. And it was literally first contact with technology. And I would take my camera and I'd switch, it was a digital screen and I could switch the screen around. And I could just stand there in a crowd and the kids would come up and wave their hands in front of the lens and they could see it on the screen. And it was just an absolute amazement of the children. It was the one of the quickest ways to pacify a village even if there was Taliban there, if I could walk in and get a few children to come around the camera, the one thing about the Taliban, and 
except for the crazy Al-Qaeda nut jobs that came out of the Saudi madrasas. The real Taliban that were fighting there would never harm children. So you could bring the children out and create it a pleasant experience and push back any of the war fighters that might be there to cause harm. Why am I telling you all of this? Because in the sense of Bardsfest, convening the war councils, this is really about emboldening the heart of the warrior and the shepherds, like I've already said, but it's important to understand what that means. I don't know where we're headed in this nation, but I can see the pieces and I can see how they're moving. And you can hear the interviews from last night or the interview just of earlier tonight from Michael Yon. You can read Michael Yon's reports. You can get reports for coming from Doc Peters or Doc, uh, Doc Chambers, excuse me. The reports coming out from the border are not pretty. And we're seeing this flood of people coming in, many of which have no good intent for the United States and nor to you. This is a time when we're being thrust back into an occupied state with foreign mercenaries like the Hessians, only this time they're not German. They're coming from all around the world. But just like it was in the Revolutionary War, it was the colonial powers of the time, which in this case is the corporations, the corporate United States, the three-letter agencies, foreign powers that want this country destroyed from within. And bringing in those sort of warfighters, you can live in an idyllic world and try to tell yourself that all this will pass, but none of this is going to pass easily. We're going into new territory here. And arguably, even new territory for the Bible. Now, I'm saying this, too, for a very good reason. I had a great conversation earlier today with Pastor Brad Cummings, and he and I are in complete agreement with what I'm going to say. I think one of the greatest dangers people are going to have is when we read text and we anchor ourselves into a particular story, a particular chapter, and try to say, this is exactly where we are. I think there's enormous lessons to learn. Like last night, we touched on Habakkuk, and we touched on Judges 6, which was Gideon's call to be a warrior. Those to me are symbolic of the sort of points that we're at. We can live in the submissiveness of being destroyed, or we can listen to God's word and we can rise up to be a warrior. And in the process of Bard's Fest this year, the intent is to awaken that greater connection with Father God in each of us. Because this is really, as it says, it's the convening of the war councils. This is empowering each person to be able to go back into your community and then to empower them. The benefit of this sort of gathering and fellowship online and the challenge to this sort of fellowship online are are equal. And what it is, is the benefit is that wherever we are, we can come together and we're not limited by any sort of physical space or distance. And we're not limited in our vision of things in terms of what the dead stone walls try to constrict us in doing. Much of how we walk in our faith is about emboldening the power and the voice of God within, that love of Christ, pursuing that and trying to take that red letter language and apply it into our world, and ultimately trying to address the greatest directive we've ever been given, which is to love thy neighbor. 
The challenge is that lacking a physical congregation, people often feel alone. And though I've spoken to it, and in the sense that we are none of us are alone, that we are each positioned as God needs us to be, there is there are some things that are easier said than transformed. I'm one that has run alone a lot of my life. And building community or walking walking in that space of of individualism is not a problem with me. And just by the nature of, of how I am, I'm okay with that in all forms. However, that's not always easy for everybody, and I respect that. And so the congregation provides a sense of strength and power for many. This fellowship does a great deal of that. And so the intent is, as we bring, convene the war councils, we're bringing together those voices, those people into a single place where then you can go back out to your communities and take that energy and take that excitement and take that emboldening and help build out your own war councils wherever you are. This is going to become important. Today's been a very interesting day for me because I've had a lot of reflections on so many things and probably the deepest for me is betrayal. I'm not one that has ever been able to tolerate betrayal well. I am, and unfortunately, I think in our modern world, betrayal is more common than trust. When we look at our world today, there is so much consumption around the satisfaction of me and then what I need and you need, and with that, so much rejection of the relationship and true intimacy within Christ. And for some, it's not even rejection. It's that they don't even understand it. They've never encountered it. They don't know what to do with it because it's not taught. There is no sense of the Holy Spirit in many of the churches. There's just, as I say, dead stone walls and skinny jean pulpits. And that creates a challenge where we are because when people are not in the mindset to pursue Christ, haven't had any way to reach Christ, they tend to walk away from religion, which is understandable. As Pastor Dave Bryant refers to it, the great American religious enterprise, you'll hear that on Friday, which is lifeless, soulless. It's just based on obedience and ritual of sitting, effectively sitting in a pew and having somebody tell you how to think and how to worship. And it doesn't allow for that bridge building into the deeper relationship of a personal experience and encounter with our Savior, Jesus, and that intimacy in Father as you try to seek his face. And that's one of the bigger aspects of the hope that we're trying to push for in Bards Fest is to awaken that because we're going to need it. We have to get past any hesitation that you may have that you can heal the sick. We have to live into those words to know that we can, not can we or if, if I could, but it has to become I can because I've been given the authorities. We have to build into the boldness of casting out demons. And that runs in the face of many churches. There's many people out here that do not like that idea. 
They think it's, and they approach it almost as if it's heretic. It's of note to remember that demons refer to themselves as they, and the number one push of pronouns right now is they. We are dealing with a demonic infestation in this nation that is literally outside any level of comprehension we've ever imagined. And it's what in part is growing so rapidly because it has become more emboldened, more powerful, and it's drawing in youth that are not being well anchored in, in the word. And we're seeing that division now between the demonic and the faith in our Christ, in Christ, in our Father. So that puts a tasking on us that's extremely important. And patriots, this is just how I live and what I believe. Now, this is coming from a guy that a year ago, year and a half ago, I was extremely hesitant to even approach a number of things. Prophecy. I was, I was hesitant to talk about healing. I was hesitant to talk about casting out demons. All of that I was, I, I was extremely cautious on. And thanks to the people that Father put in my path that have led me to realize and experience the power of that when I let go of my hesitation and started to embrace what the gifts were, there's no limit to what we can do. And that principle foundation has transformed me and the way that I live and breathe in Scripture. And it's, again, what's kind of shaped and reshaped the new and current gathering that we're going to call Bard's Fest, the convening of the war councils, and Yuba City. Now, there's something more to that, though, of why Yuba City. And this I've shared, but I want to really highlight it tonight because I did today, and it's important to highlight it now. Brad asked me a great question today. He said, when you prayed on Bard's Fest, did, you, did God tell you to put one at Yuba City? And it was really not necessarily that specific, but it was definitely that specific in context. Last fall, when I was at the Isaiah 61 conference, I had an incredible vision. It was, it was, a, it was so real in, in the presence of our prayer, in the moment of our prayer and, and worship. It, it, was, it was the message that I needed to hear. And what had happened in that moment as we were doing prayer and worship is before me came in four riders on horses. And they were, their armor was a mix of a platinumish silver with gold. And the first rider stepped off and he was literally, he was what I has identified as the captain of the Lord of hosts army. And he came to me in this presence as and as witness to the moment, it is not that he could see it, but Brad was to my right and Pastor Dave was literally up front leading prayer and worship. This is the moment where we were in a full room and this is what was happening before me. And as the captain of the Lord of hosts came, he drew out his sword and in holding it across in two hands, laid on the bed of his palms, he handed me his sword. And I took it and I fell to my knees in tears. And he blessed me. 
And so I then took the sword and I put the sword into my belt. And as I was standing before him, he took me up into the clouds. And in the clouds, as I stood above, the clouds were sitting on the shores from Portland to Yuba City. I could see the whole range of the landscape. And to my left and to my right and his back, and I'm now sitting on top of a horse. There was thousands and thousands of war angels. Thousands. They were ready for battle. Every one of them was waiting for the command. And I asked Father, I said, what do you want me to do? And he said, lead them. I still don't entirely know what that means. To be in that place, and I don't know that I've even shared this whole thing before, it's more than humbling, it's a little intimidating. And I'm somebody that doesn't get intimidated easily. And then I was given a vision of me raising the sword and pointing it at Portland. And in a moment, I was on the street witnessing what happened. And a flood of war angels poured out of the clouds and out of the heavens. And they went through the streets like a tornado. And demons were screaming and being flown about. And the entire downtown of Portland, which was just a garbage mess, it was boarded up buildings, suddenly became calm and peaceful. And on every corner stood a gallant war angel knight type figure on a horse, posted as sentries to ensure the safety of the city. And then the vision was continued. And from the vision came this, this clear showing that from Yuba City and from even the property in Portland poured out several buses that had gone into Portland and they encircled and distributed 300 shofar blowers around the city that all through the night blew their horns And I, somewhere in there, it probably was about the same time as when the war angels were doing their thing, I can't say for certain. And then came intercessor teams, and then came prayer and healing teams that followed. And they moved to that city, and they transformed it. And then the shofar blowers pulled back, and they went back to our property here in Southern Oregon, and they went back to Yuba City, where they prayed, and they were refit, and they were... They were preyed upon and they were healed and they were given more strength. And then they deployed again to another city all along the West Coast. And that pattern started to show repeating. And as all of that was happening, there was like this amazing, amazing movement of people. Individuals, though. Some were flying in private planes. Some were on the ground driving in their cars. And they were going into going east, starting in Oregon and Washington and Northern California, they were moving east and they were stopping at the small towns and they were 
having revivals and pulling the communities out and they were praying and people were being healed and people were falling on the ground and accepting Christ. As this West Coast, all the way down to the border of Mexico and all the way up to the north, up to the border of Canada, the bigger cities were being shaken and the dem- demons were being thrown out and the war angels were, follow- were matched with the shofar blowers. And all of this was happening in waves like a blitzkrieg. That vision happened at Yuba City. That happened at the Church of Glad Tidings. And that vision was reinforced again in a later session, a reminder in the second time I was there in a for a week's conference, which was this last spring, the captain of the Lord of Hosts came again. Not to show me so much, but to remind me that the mission was not complete yet. And then I went to Portland, and I was asked to go to Portland to a conference with people, and there I listened, we sang in in prayer and worship, and as I witnessed, I saw there where they were talking about a revival on the streets. There was a moment when the Holy Spirit filled that room like I've never experienced before. Everybody was crying. The voices changed. They all became that of Jesus, connected in Christ. They were just so melodic, so incredible. And in that moment, again, the war angels appeared along with other angels, along with, and suddenly off of the balcony side, where the light was just piercing through, Jesus walked in and observed, and the tears flowed like you cannot believe. This gathering in Yuba City, it isn't just a festival. It's not a fest. It's an event to bring in and, and awaken the church within. It's a gathering to bring people in together to have fellowship for a moment. And not everybody's going to be able to come, and I understand that, but I want to really lay out the intent here so you're clear. And it's going to be, it will be festive in the sense of fellowship, but it will also be intense. Because the, the focus is Jesus. The focus is our love in Christ. The focus is the mightiness and the authorities which have been given to us. And the awakening of those and the confidence of those to take them into the world. And Glad Tidings is a very special place because it's not a normal, it's not a church you normally think of. It's more of an ecclesia. In fact, the way they say it, Their outreach is their main focus. Church on the weekends, which is Saturday night and Sunday morning, is where they relax. It's almost like the after part of it. Their main work goes on during the whole week, and it's extremely busy. There's seven or eight or more outreach programs, prison outreach and women's shelters and youth at risk outreach, and they've got a K through 12 school, and they have an outreach for homeschoolers. And this is part of the reason that's so appropriate there is because it is such a true 
mix of the perfection in the body of Christ to remind us all that all can be healed. And whether it is Pastor Dave's son-in-law, who at one time worked for the cartel as a gun runner and spent hard time in prison, or whether it's someone who had had has had several abortions but has found Christ, or whether it's just families that come with their children because they want to have an experience with the Holy Spirit, everybody is together there without any concern but in true love of the body of Christ and a ferocious family. It's, a, it's an assembly of lions. So I say all of this because there has been some discussion about you know, the location of Yuba City and it's not convenient. I've said from the very beginning, the call on these places has nothing to do with convenience of where to go. It's where we're called to be and where we're invited in. And Yuba City is both. And from there, we'll continue to expand those out. But this is the first and first focus. I don't know where we're going to be in the fall. I don't know what this country is going to be like in the fall. But I know right now we need this. Because right now we need to be focused heavily on what is about to happen. In the sense of preparing that ground ministry that this nation is going to need. There is no question that the flood of immigrants is going to hit most heavily on the West Coast. It's what's been prepped. The battlefield has been shaped by the treasonous governors and leadership and corporations that, that occupy these lands, that think that they can change the rules for the benefit of themselves to enslave and to replace the people that were here. These same governors are feeding the division of hatred by race and hatred by gender and twisting things around because this is purely a demonic fight. This is, at the center of all of this, this is a demonic fight that we have not been well equipped to fight. And we have to be better equipped to fight it. And we're not going to win it by the sword of the blade of steel. We're going to win it with the tools that we've been given and the authorities that we've been given and understand that in that we have to do greater works than he. We don't even know what that is, but to be limitless in our search for that and to be courageous to try things and to lead with our prayers and Father to be bold enough to step into the fight and to do things that the enemy can't expect or doesn't expect because we're not listening to him. We're listening to our Father. That sort of intensity is the focus of what we're trying to awaken in the gatherings this year, which we call Bard's Fest. And it's a critical time for all of this. The, um, the betrayals right now that we're dealing with are intense. We're witnessing people that were given the trust of the people we're witnessing leaders that were given the trust of the people. We're witnessing corporate leaders that were given the trust of stockholders. We're witnessing teachers that were parents have entrusted their children to use their positions to destroy the family and destroy this nation. And for me, today has been one of those very difficult days. In fact, I was supposed to be in Yuba City this evening. 
And I canceled the trip because I needed time just to pray and get clear in my head with Father where he needed me to be. And I'm highlighting that for a particular reason because I, it's something that I truly believe that there's times that we have to stop everything and we have to just sit and be with Father. And we have to listen to where he needs us to be and where he wants us to go. And part of that prayer was about Bard's Fest. What do you need from me? What am I missing? And part of it was intent, was the intent of what we were doing, that I needed to speak it more clearly as to what the intent was. And so with that, I was concerned as well about the size of the venue, because the venue could handle almost 900 people. And I don't know if we're going to get anywhere close to that. But that's again what Father reminded me. It's like, it doesn't matter. So I called Glad Tidings today and I said, what happens if we only have this number of people? And you're like, no big deal. We'll just set up some dividers and readjust the landscape a bit. And that's part of listening because rather than taking that burden on myself as I pass it to Father and then we share it with someone else, with another community that's of like mindset, we start to get ourselves opened to the power of how God's working and the priorities in which he puts before us. The festival's important. And that was the question I was asking, did I hear you right? Is it what you needed or is it something I've been manufacturing? And the answer is, you heard me correctly, but your expectations are not mine, they're yours. So trust in me. So I am. And so as a footnote on that too, just another experience, we've been having trouble. And it's a reminder, we've been having trouble getting the bull down from where, the bull I bought a couple weeks ago. Not because the bull's difficult, but because the transportation issues right now, everybody's busy, we're getting into hay season, getting it coordinated to getting it delivered has been a challenge. And the guy who runs the cattle breeding facility. It's a cattle ranch up there who I bought the bull from. Great guy, Terry Anderson, Superman. Had called me and I hadn't gotten back to him because I was trying to have a solution when I called him. I didn't have an answer. And this was a reminder to me as well of the different worlds. And literally, this is right out of Jeremiah 6.16, Ancient Paths. And man, I'm telling you, God delivered a number of them today because he delivers the reminder of Bard's Fest and the working together, and then he delivers the reminder of Jeremiah 6.16. And where that was is that reminder of Jeremiah 6.16, Terry texted me and he goes, Scott, I just need to talk to you for a couple of minutes. And I didn't have the answer. And I was like, what am I going to say, Lord? So I got on the phone and he said, how are you doing? He's in a really cheerful mood. I said, Terry, I owe you an apology because this is not my normal way, but I've been working around the clock to come up with an answer and I don't have an answer yet. He says, that's okay. He says, you're talking to a cattle guy. Everything goes wrong in cattle. I just wanted to let you know that we've been talking to one of our people that moves many of our cattle and he may be coming your way. And so if you can't set up a, a pickup for it, we can probably put him on one, put the bull on one of our trucks and get him down to you on Mother's Day. Would that be okay? The old world, the way we used to be, where we work together. 
And I, I found myself in that trap of not walking Jeremiah 6.16, but instead walking the modern path of me, where I had to carry the burdens. And that's Father teaching again. That as we go forward, we have to change our paradigms. We have to start looking at one another, not as I need to do something in order to make you okay. It's we need to work together in the body of Christ to solve solutions together. That's how we overcome. And in such a little moment like that, in such a big reminder, I was so deeply humbled. We need friends. We need wise counsel in this war. I'm blessed. I have a number of them. Each one of us needs it. And part of that coming together in the real sense of flesh is to embrace what we have here and turn this fellowship into something that's much more tangibly real. To have the connections, physical connections, that if for some reason these communications get shut down or, or disrupted, people know where to turn. But they also know by the physical connection that there's something greater there that we can lean into. It's the mightiness of, the, of walking in God and walking in Father and overcoming this world because this world still tries to overcome us and we all get trapped in it from time to time. The last Passover, which is Matthew 26, 20. Now when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you that one of you will betray me. Being deeply grieved, they began saying to him, Each one, Surely it is not I, Lord. And he answered, he who dipped his hand with me in the bowl is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man is going, going away just as it is written about him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. And Judas, who was betraying him, said, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. Jesus said to him, you have said it yourself. So, why did I read that? Because those that are betraying us now are the Judases of the time. I pray for them because the consequence of betrayal is severe. And though I can say, I think, we can say with confidence that there's Father will always open the door. The reality is that in this time, there has to be consequences in order to have a nation for being a traitor, whether by intention or by simply loathful obedience to laws that are wrong. Each one of us is going to have to face that in our lives, in our families, in our friendships of people that complied and were obedient to things that were just outrightly wrong. Some of those acts had little harm. 
other than to the person's self if they took the vax. And that's a place most easily handled with prayer and forgiveness. But others were more severe. The Gavin Newsom's, the people on the border that are walking away from doing their job, ATF that is going door to door to try to threaten people to close their businesses. These people are traitors. And at the end of the day, while we can pray for them and they can be perhaps find grace in a relationship with Christ, the rules of the nation must be adhered to in order to create a measure of law and some measure of justice. It doesn't mean a noose, but it does mean consequence and accountability. For Judas, his consequence was suicide. The burden was too great. For those out there that are betraying this nation and putting everybody else at the mercy of those that seek to kill and destroy, I hope your burden is not so great that you commit suicide, but your burden is great. And so I would encourage you who are listening, who are in a place where you're not following the Constitution, but instead obeying laws and covering yourself by saying you're simply doing as you were told. I would encourage you, if you have not, to accept Christ. And if you have not repented, repent and seek forgiveness and turn from your ways now and do the right thing. This system ends its tyranny the minute the people stand up with the courage to have a spine and face evil head on and not bow. And for those out here that are continuing to walk that line of not bowing and being strong in the body of Christ, having endured already so much, let us be the encouragers of those that are still wandering and not seeing clearly. But let us also be the firm hand of reminder that there are consequences and that the burdens that they carry can be great and perhaps so great at a certain point that they themselves will choose the wrong path like suicide because they can't endure what they have done. Repentance is your way to freedom. Patriots, as we do our prayer tonight, I'm going to read an update from Tim, Shelley's husband. We're also going to read a couple other prayers that were requested, and we're going to include that all into one here tonight. So let's pray. Father, we are blessed to be here tonight, and we are truly blessed for the continued guidance and clarity which you provide for each and every one of us. And Father, we are truly in a place right now where we, our hearts are to you and we're listening. And I think that each day that we come together, we get stronger. We're imperfect. We know that. And each one of us will find the necessary moments to put ourselves before you to repent and to accept that no matter how much we try, we will always stumble. But we will continue to march forward 
and work as closely as we can to seek a closer relationship with you and through Christ to you, Father. Father, we're reminded of our authorities, which is to heal the sick. And so we declare those in this moment as we read an update for Shelley, who has suffered an aneurysm and has been now in day 36 of this. And the update reads as such. And so, Father, we just ask that you'll hear these words. Today was a day of rest and recovery after two doctor's appointments yesterday. Her appetite continues to improve, and we seem to have pain management under control for the most part. So now it's working on regaining strength and language skills. I'm developing a routine with the animals, but I'm way behind on the yard, garden, and pastures. The first batch of chickens that hatched the night we went to the hospital are now out in their coop. All of them made it. That's a miracle on its own. We have been spending a lot of time talking about the time in the hospital and what happened while we were there. It's difficult at times trying to explain everything that was happening without worrying about it being too much. It's also hard to believe this all started just a few, five weeks ago. Shelly's birthday is coming up on Friday. I'm not sure what we will do, if anything, but we are both happy to be able to celebrate another birthday together. As a footnote to this, Father was so greatly humbled that Shelley is one of 1% of the people that have survived an aneurysm of this kind. Praise be to you, Father. So, Father, we pray for Shelley and Tim for their continued recovery. We thank you. Thank you for the healing that we have witnessed through a combined effort of prayer from us and many others as we've seen and witnessed the miracles of incredible healing on something that has beat all the odds and truly left the doctors speechless in the power of the miracle of healing. So, Father, we just pray for the continued well-being of this family, the continued joy that they will continue to share one another and the continuing development of strength and healing of Shelley to restore her back fully to as she is intended and to become again a beacon of strength in the Holy Spirit, and testimony to the power of prayer and the love in you. And so, Father, as we continue this evening, we have had a couple other requests. One is from our member, Truth Patriot. And it says, the procedure is today. I have a prayer request, Patriots, a good friend, and co-worker husband Mike is going in for surgery to place stints in his heart due to, 90, to a 95% blockage. Please pray for the guidance of the surgeons and staff to see him through the procedure and bring Mike a speedy recovery. Place a hedge of protection around him and the family. In Christ Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, Father, we pray for Mike. And we pray for Truth Patriot's friend, and we pray for a rapid recovery. We pray for a miraculous surgery. And we pray that in this process, there'll be an amazing encounter with Jesus to bring Mike closer in that understanding of his love in Christ, to witness and experience the power of healing of Jesus, and to truly 
have that witnessed by others into the miracles of rapid healing and a per, an incredible recovery, even perhaps not even needing the stint, so that he can leave doctors once again stunned and seeking an answer which can only be found in you, Father. So, Father, tonight we close with a third prayer, or the third prayer we have tonight, Father, is a difficult one. And this is for baby Dakota. Baby Dakota was born prematurely and was starting to recover. But Dakota is not going to make it. She's being uh, extubated today and they will be able to hold her while she passes. Father, we, um, to express the loss of a little one that isn't even ours, but the pain that we share for that family, we pray that they will be able to celebrate the joy of just having Dakota for a short period, and that we pray for the healing of their hearts, and we are blessed and pray for their blessings for them to have held her in the last moments. We know that this was a blessed soul that you brought into this world. And for whatever reason, that has not been able to remain. But we pray for the family that they can have more and this will inspire them to have other children and that you may bless them with the bounty of more children and that the memory of Dakota will inspire them and carry them to higher levels in both their walk and love with each other and their family, and a deeper love and walk with you. Bless baby Dakota. And bless us all, Father. We pray for those on the border tonight that are facing a horde of crazies. We pray for those that are being trafficked, that they will find a way to be separated and saved. We ask for heavy judgment to fall on the heads of those that have betrayed this nation and a heavy judgment to be fall, fall on the heads of those that continue to do evil, the cartels, the traffickers, the coyotes, the sicarios. These are agents of the Dark Lord, and they must be crushed. And so, Father, we pray for this nation, and we pray for the mercy on this nation. It now faces a very difficult hour, having spent too much time wallowing in the consumption of me and self-righteousness and the obsession with material things, a culture that has turned its eyes too frequently away from you, that now must turn its eyes upon you. So we pray for a nation to finally come to its knees, to find its place again at your feet, to ask and seek repentance, and to once again restore this nation to a nation humbled before you and government subordinate to the people. Bless us in these hours, Father, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we, and with that, we thank you, Father, for all that you bring. So, patriots, some reflections tonight, some things to think about. And um, 
a time ahead, which is perhaps a bit sobering, but nonetheless, an amazing time to live of all the times that we could possibly be born and be alive is now one of the greatest moments in human history. Let us praise our Father for that. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I want to feel something. Let me get back in my body. For me
Thank you.